Welcome to Test Everything, the podcast dedicated to conversion rate optimization, split testing, and making decisions with data. I'm your host, Josh Panabianco. The goal of this podcast is simple, to teach you conversion rate optimization from the very best CRO experts from all around the world. With this new knowledge, you'll be able to transition to only making data-driven changes to your website. Because remember, everything else is gambling. Our guest today is someone that is very much a leader in the CRO industry, both in Australia and through Asia Pacific. He has worked with some of the biggest companies in Australia, many of those being household names. During this time, he has conducted over 3,500 individual split tests with over 250 different companies, with the results having transformed many of Australia's biggest names. Our guest today is Matt Pezzamenti from Conversion Kings. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Josh. Really excited to be here and seeing how I can, what I can share. Awesome. Glad to have you on the show. This is really exciting. Um, we're in for a treat today. Uh, Matt has prepared what he believes are the top five mistakes beginners make when starting an optimization program. Um, but before we jump into that, it would be great to get... Um, the background uh, on your story about how you got into CRO and the origin story of Conversion Kings. Yeah, great, Josh. Um, my, my story into CRO is actually a little bit typical to a lot of us here who, who get into CRO and we kind of all fall, fall into it uh, because, as, as you know, there's no university course, there's no real structured um, learning around uh, becoming a CRO person or whilst there is a lot of training um, tools and um, programs out there now, but when when I first started, there was there was literally nothing. And um, the way I got started, I, I'd finished a, a pretty big project um, when I was working at as a, in an agency as a um, helping deliver some really big and large scale um, marketing initiatives. And I took some time out to have a bit of a think about what what I would like to do next um, because being a consultant it, it can be pretty challenging and uh, I, I sort of sat back for a little bit and thought you know what what do I really love what what sort of gets me that excited most excited and it came down to two things um, one was about being creative and I mean I, I love art I, I love just the the sheer nature of creating something that moves you and um, that that whole process around creativity and the other part of things that I really loved was uh, analytics. And I just got a real buzz out of hunting down insights out of data and, and finding different different things that just give you a, an alternative perspective on um, situations. And I was really looking at going, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to get uh, to do something which brings those, those two passions together. And the more I thought about it, the more it became uber clear that conversion optimization would be a, a great path for me um, to go down. But I had bigger aspirations than being a, uh, or different aspirations than being just a, a subject matter expert. I, I really desired to build a, uh, an agency. But the, the, the big challenge I had around conversion optimization back in those days. Sorry to interrupt, but did you yeah. start as a freelancer before you started your agency? Uh, from a conversion perspective, or, or for, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I'd done a little bit of conversion optimization, and I say little, and and 
very very basic stuff um on the 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 last engagement i did once we launched all these um uh, systems and we started testing different ways of uh, presenting the front end so i was actually working as a as a consultant within an agency to help deliver a lot of services and one of which was um conversion optimization or execute on that so to say i had deep knowledge of that um, starting point would be um, incorrect. I was I was a beginner, like m- many people on the call today. Like I was, you know, I had a good sound understanding of digital marketing. I knew, um, you know, uh, I was quite deep in a lot of other tactics, um, but I was really just starting my my CRO experience um, at that point. Um, so yeah, so, so the the way I got started was, but but what really changed it for for me though was. Um, because I wanted to open an agency or I wanted to do at least CRO correctly, the biggest blocker I had was around how do you implement the test to with a client that potentially has other challenges around their the accessibility to developers, uh, the dev sprints, and just fundamentally getting access, which was the bigger block, biggest blocker for me. And I, I remember back some of the, the first few tests that I ran was in insanely hard. I mean, we're using uh, Google Experiments, which is now Google Optimize, but we're using Google Experiments there, which really was around just splitting um, traffic for different pages. It was highly, uh, highly, uh, very difficult. Um, but then I, I saw the, the technology Optimizely, and that actually was a big, big moment for me because that enabled me now, or anyone now, to actually do CRO without being hamstrung by the availability or accessibility to a client's dev team. So that, that was a big change for me. So once once that came through, then it was like, okay, great. I've overcome the biggest objection or hurdle here of implementing the tests. And then that's where I started. I, I built a, um, a landing page. Uh, sorry, registered the name, Conversion Kings, built a landing page, put some paid search towards it. And uh, I think I launched, believe it or not, on um, a little bit before New Year's Day. And then the first lead that I got through, which ended up becoming my first client, was on the 1st of January, 2014. Um, so that was a really exciting moment. How cool is signing your first client? It is just so exciting. Oh, it really is. I think excitement, fear, scare, all emotions run into you, right? So, um, yeah, it's very different. And, and I even look back at what we used to, what I was charging for CRO back then was, um, uh, which is interesting now, interesting now looking at it. Be interested to hear what the CRO industry was like back then. Was it kind of like a pioneering industry with very few, um, you know, participants? What was the industry like? Yeah, it's definitely pioneer. I would I would have to say because I, I originally, even before I started the agency, I did flirt with the idea of going and and working for another CRO agency, but I, I literally couldn't find any any agency that did CRO but did it actually well. Um, so there was a number that actually had it on their their website as services, but when I questioned them about it, it was like, oh, look, it's not really a focus of ours. We've just put it up there um, and we're still working through it. It wasn't like a an actual discipline that they were focused on. And funny, even now, you know, we fought, you know, 
fast forward six years, there's many businesses still in that same mindset of uh, um, still just tacking it on to the end of their services. Um, but yeah, I, I had a look uh, large and wide and um, if, if you care to, to hear, we I've got an interesting story that after the first year of trading um, in the agency, I had somewhat success and uh, but I knew there was more headroom in this tactic. I knew that I didn't, even though we were doing well and we, you know, we attracted some really great brands and we started building our processes and getting good results. Like I said, I just knew there was more in it. Um, and that's where I, I, I looked internationally and I, I did find some really good um, subject matter experts over in London um, that I ended up flying over to, to go and have a chat with just because I needed to connect with other experts and, and really learn from from great people in the market. But in Australia, it was very, um, I, I didn't find anyone that I was able to, to connect to. Not saying they weren't there, but I just couldn't find them. Yeah, so I definitely echo that. Um, CRO in the States and in Europe is definitely uh, more of a mature market, more of a developed skill set um, than it is mm. here in Australia. Um, be interesting to see and how that plays out with years to come. Yeah, I, I think it's it's difficult for us in Australia because, I mean, we are advanced in certain areas and some people and some clients now in optimization, we're, we're, we're now, um, you know, uh, punching well above our weight when we look at some of the sophisticated optimization programs that people are doing and how we're embodying it and, and supporting it. Um, but that's one part of the market. And there's also a very large part of the market who um, who think they know what CRO is. And, and I, I say that with all due respect, um, but but they haven't had the, the, the opportunity to really get a good understanding of it. So the challenge is you've got a, a potential large group of people who are ticking that box going, yes, we know what it is and, and we're um, engaging in it. But they're not really doing it um, to its fullest extent, and that does create a bit of a challenge. And then the, the third one is, you know, people who are still um, uh, have yet to have the opportunity to be exposed to it. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's just going to take time, education, and where people start, you know, seeing the outcomes and the results, it'll, it'll start growing a bit faster as well. So yeah, that really leads into the topic of this podcast today about um, what beginners uh, should be focusing on when starting out a CRO program. Uh, what are the best practices? What what are the things to avoid? Um, and how can you create a CRO program uh, that is going to sort of hit the ground running and be really successful? Because um, it can be a daunting task and uh, it'd be great to get your input on some of the things that people can focus on. Yeah, sure. Great. Thank you. So, when I was looking at, uh, you know, answering the question, you know, what are the top five um, um, errors that people generally make or what are the top five things you should be doing as a, as a beginner, I really took that word beginner um, to heart to think about what I want to share today is people who are either looking to just get into CRO or they're looking at starting their own, just looking to start their own CRO um, consultancy agency. Um, what are the five things to, to really um, focus on and be aware of and some of the problems they make? So the very first one that I've got here is the, the first 
problem I, I find in CRO is people talk a game bigger than what they really are um, incorrectly. Um, so they'll they'll come out of the gate and they've read a few blogs, they, they know a little bit of information. And then when they're either in front of their manager or in front of a, um, a client, they, they, they talk it bigger than what it really is. And that creates so many issues in this. And I, I totally understand, you know, fake it till you make it. But the other side to this is you, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't accept that from a doctor who's going in, yeah, look, I'm just going to fake it until I make it. I'm just going to keep poking around in here until I, I get you better. Uh, and the thing is with conversion optimization, we are so influential to people's outcomes, their livelihood, their businesses. We need to be very honest and transparent. So the way I look at it is really if you're starting out in CRO, you actually need to enjoy being a beginner. Enjoy the process of of learning and being really transparent and honest with where you currently are. Because once you are honest with it, other things will open up. People will give you a level of consideration as you, you know, find your feet and, and, and work through it. Um, but I find that to be the one of the biggest challenges we have is when people are stepping up into something where they don't have the backing and they're not being forthcoming with the, the client or their managers as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. In uh, in what areas do you see most people having that skill gap or kind of faking it uh, until they make it? Yeah, I think there's there's a few. So one is when we talk about being data led. Now that's getting to be a bit of a, a a word that people use now to where it means nothing because everyone's using it. But you know. Being data-led is so important. And like I even see it now, even experienced people say they're being data-led, but they're not. The data they've got is from someone else telling them to do something or the data is from their gut. Now, I'm not saying gut feeling is, is completely able to be struck through, but it's, you know, definitely not data-led. So the, the the big challenges I find where people go is that they, they, they talk about being data-led, but they don't actually back it up and do it. Um... The other areas where I find they, they, they run into is that they, they've actually got limited experiences with conversion optimization tools. And they, they, they might hear case studies or they see opportunities to utilize the tools in certain ways. But the reality is they just don't have the skills yet to be able to do that. Again, another analogy could be, you know, you've driven a, um, you know, a, a junky car and then you jump into a real big super uh, really fast supercar you're gonna crash it because you're just not used to to driving at those those speeds or, or really handling it um so they're, they're some of the main ones that we i find people are falling down into that they, they're not looking at the data first before or to instruct them on what to do and they're leaning just purely on their their gutter of their ideas uh and then the other one is really overextending what they can or should do in the tool um, because they're not yet ready or they don't have the experience to actually build what they're trying to build. Um, and it could create a multitude of problems. And look, I've got a, a lot of uh, experience on making mistakes and that's why I bring these ones up. Um, you need to be massively um, experienced with the tool before you start you know, utilizing it on a client side. Also, I'm not sure if you agree with me on this, but um, there's a real lack of education in the CRO space. Would you agree? Uh, look, Josh, oh, look, 
go back before isolation, I'd say yes, definitely. And um, I think what's happened since isolation has happened, a lot of uh, CRO practitioners have come out with courses and information and they're, they're great and it's really helpful. Um, but it also comes down to what type of information people are looking for. If if it's information people are looking for that is a, a structured course that people can go and um, grab, yeah, it is it is tricky and, and tough. Um, there are there are books out there around um, CRO, but the thing is, you need to be self motivated to go and get them. And there's a lot of information out there, but it's just about our motivation to to hunt them down read them, learn them, having a view on them, and then look for something else as well. So, yes, it's definitely a lot shallower than, say, SEO and PPC. Um, but if you look hard enough, um, you you can actually find a lot of really great information written by some you know, very smart people. Yeah, I think with the lockdown, we definitely have seen an increase in uh, people creating content in, you know, related to CRO. Um it's kind of the origin of this podcast. I, uh, I saw that there wasn't enough high quality content um, about conversion rate optimization and split testing and I was, uh, my goal is to, is, to, is to fix that. So um, to your previous point, um, I definitely see a lot um, in the kind of agency industry, people kind of treating CRO as kind of a, uh, something they tack on at the end kind of thing. Uh, you know, we do this, this, and this, uh, and we also do CRO. Uh, and I guess when you ask them those tough questions about CRO, I guess just because it's not in their skill set, really, they're just, they're in their, they don't have that experience to answer those questions. Yeah, yeah, and I, I completely agree with that. The, the in, in addition, though, it, it does get a little bit tricky if, when, um, if people are tacking the service on, they don't, if they don't truly understand it, they also don't apply the right value to it or they use it in the wrong aspect or they incorrectly position people and that's when it can get uh, a little dangerous. But um, yeah, uh, I think the first thing, uh, my the, the, the problem I generally uh, find is when people try to step up a little bit further than when they could or should um, because again, it just it comes out in the wash and it's, it's never good for anybody. Um, Cool. So we'll uh, we'll keep moving along. Yep. So uh, what would be your second recommendation then? Yeah. Well, well the second uh, recommendation or the problem would be um, if we go back to that concept about being data led. Everyone was like, okay, cool. I want to be data led. Great. So, which brings me to the second problem, which is you know people falling down the rabbit hole of analysis, and you see when. Um, people start into CRO, they okay, great, I know I need to do analysis, I know I need to be data-driven, where do I start? And then it becomes really difficult for them. So they then jump into, um, let's say, Google Analytics, um, if they're using that uh, analytic platform, and they start just digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging to the point where they've just got so much information, so much data, they don't really have a concise way of um, presenting that back as an actionable outcome. And then what happens is they they build out all these um, these great analysis, which are fantastic to read and very insightful, but then they have no net impact or no net direction to what a testing program could or should be. And, Would that um, be the skill set of turning kind of data 
um, and insights into action items for for testing, uh, you know, purposes. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a bit of that, but it's also in a bit of like, what information should you be looking at? This may be starting a longer conversation, but uh, what is the beginning point of your research? Is it Google Analytics? Is it uh, customer summary forms? Is it order summaries? Uh, wh- where do you start with your research? Uh, the starting point for me is uh, Google Analytics. Uh, was um, uh, GA uh, for me personally. And even now when I do um, optimization programs, other than when I get through all the critical stuff, which is, you know, making sure there's no technical errors on the site and making sure the analytics is, is giving them the right information, is then understanding um, the very first part for me is really baselining, you know, what is the current performance for all your different customers on the site now? Because then once you've got that understanding of where you currently are, that's great. Then the next question is, well, how did people actually get to that conversion point to get to that conversion figure? And uh, that's where analytics is so very helpful because once you're using analytics in the right way, you're able to identify where those fallout points in users' journeys are, um, which then gives you basically the high-level roadmap of what you need to be focusing on um, as an as a optimization expert. Okay, so for the technical people in the audience, are you talking about the segmentation tools in GA that let you segment to, say, device type, um, you know, paid search, organic, email, um, and just conversion rate origin? Yeah, yes, it is. I don't currently use those tools myself in um, analytics. What I basically do is I actually pull all the raw data out of analytics um, and then what I'm looking at is I, I create different segments um, of users with their own individual conversion rates. So, um, for example, you've got three main groups I look at. So you've got user type being new and returning. Then you've got device, desktop, mobile, tablet. And then you've got traffic source, which is, you know, paid, organic, social, affiliate, email, and so forth. So, so forth. And what we, what I, I personally look at is I look at a combination of every single one of those. So um, I, I'll look at the conversion rate of, um, you know, new users on a mobile device via PPC landing on this part of this part of the website. And then um, I do every combination of those. So what that enables me to do is I can then go at that point, this is your actual conversion rate for these particular users on these devices, on these channels. And then that enables me now, obviously, to be hyper-focused and very diligent in the way that I approach optimization. Um, so, so starting off, I, I guess that, um, you know, coming back to that, the analysis piece is what I I know I struggled with is I didn't have a clear objective of what I was looking for before I jumped into the data and that caused me to fall down that rabbit hole. So the real solution there is really having a clear objective of, of why you're going into GA, what you're looking for, um, so you can pull those, um, those, 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 that information out to, to be useful for what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really powerful. Starting with um, with the device type, just to really define who is this audience and what is their primary canvas. Um, and so, 
when you know, uh, for example, you know, let's say that, I don't know, iPhone users are converting at, you know, 26% more than uh, another device type, for example. It's just really powerful to know where the conversion rates are mm. coming from. Yeah. Yeah, which actually brings me to my third point, which is um, the th third error that I, I normally see people making is they're not segmenting. Um, they don't segment their, uh, their their customers. And that has a massive impact. And what it really contributes to at the end of the end of the day is, um, you know, inconclusive tests. Okay, so let's get really specific about this. Mm. What do you define in CRO as segmentation? Uh, for me, uh, I'm, I define it like at this point in the, in the analysis, I'd be segmenting based on a um, a targetable group of people. So, is that traffic source or device type or both? Uh, it's, or? it's all of those. So, so um, it's. It's really great if you'd be able to see me now because I'm using great hand gestures. But uh, if you if you can think of a uh, if you visualize a spreadsheet, and on the very top row you've got um, you know we, we start building out all those different combinations to those different areas we're looking at. So the first user, as I said before, as I mentioned before, could be you know new user on a mobile device. So we use so we took take the, the, the user type, which is new or return, but in this case we're gonna do new. Uh, device type, let's say mobile, and then channel, let's say PPC. That, and then we'd look at their um, we'd baseline what their conversion rate for that audience actually is. And then I'd look at new user on a mobile in SEO. Uh, or, or coming through organic. And then I give that another conversion uh, another um, uh, conversion metric as well. So speaking directly to segmentation now, are you running specific tests only for certain device types and different sizes? Oh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. So which in my experience has been one of the big impacts on us being able to hit really great significant levels when we run tests. So by significance, I mean that you want to get to what's called statistical significance, which is basically a metric of comfortability that you feel this test is a is a positive test or, or, a, or, or it's, a, it's a true outcome. So what, what can happen is, um, and it's fascinating, right? Because you, you build a test, similar experience for uh, or exact same experience, and you've got new users and returning users. You find you might find that in that experience, new users do really well, and returning users do really poorly. And if you were to look at the aggregate or the average, I should say, of those two outcomes, you're going to get to zero movement because the the increase from one is is um, offset by the decrease of another. So when you're trying to then make sense of it, it's like, well, how does this actually, what, what should I do? Well, like this test didn't really work. The reality is it actually did work really well. It, it told you that new users really um, liked this experience, but you've learned something about your returning users that you could potentially do differently. Um, so if you don't segment, you're going to get these average results. And uh, there's a terminology called the tyranny of averages where averages really mean nothing. And, um, to, to, to remove that, to remove those issues, um, you, you, I, I found it very helpful to segment uh, our customers into defined 
targetable groups that we can learn from, that we can target and, and influence in our testing program. Yeah, so this speaks to one of your previous points about um, them just the practitioners not really having the skills and tools to to implement the tests uh, correctly. Uh, maybe they don't know how to segment. Uh, maybe they don't know how to create a testing environment only for a specific device type. Um, so there's definitely a skill gap there. Maybe, maybe. Um, it can be... Um you know, I, I think also it just comes to it from experience. You know, when people think about um, optimizing, they, they might have actually thought about optimization as purely just about a, a UX experience on, on on the website. And UX is definitely important. It's got a, it's a big part to it. But you need to be doing the user experience for the user. Uh, and, and every user who goes to the website is, is different. And how do we understand the the motivations of that user how do we learn as much about that user as quickly as possible and um, understanding the traffic source and how they've got there and um, is, is the fastest and easiest ways to understand that about the users and, and then obviously that flows into your your program to to make it, it successful it must be just so exciting to see an underperforming segmentation um, you do some testing on make some changes and then see it skyrocket Oh, look, it really does make my day. Uh, I just, you know, when you see, because what we do um, currently is every time a, a test um, concludes in the agency, obviously we write the audit on it. And before it can be passed to the, the customer, it obviously needs to be passed through to myself to um, to approve. And uh, just looking at those, um, those results that come through are just phenomenal. Um, and we had a really interesting a segmentation test um, uh, not that long ago where we had um, customers were coming in and the people landing on this particular page came from two very distinct groups and what we did was we actually gave those groups an ability to self-segment themselves and then push them through like a personalized or a more relevant experience for them nothing actually on those experiences changed much other than the copy and we're talking to those people in their language and the the results were just outstanding it, it was like a 200 percent increase on conversions instantly and this wow. is um and also when I'm, I'm sharing that i mean this is a high trafficking website high value here i mean we're not talking about you know we went from one conversion to two conversions we've gone from hundreds to hundred, hundred you know more you know multiples of that so the uh the client must think you're santa claus now uh look you know what uh the, the it's a great client you know and and that was the thing with with testing is you know you get these great outcomes and it's like you know you eat the bottom of that cornetto and you get that little bit of chocolate at the bottom <laughs> which is great yeah um but look they've they've been through their fair share of learnings as well you know we we had a phase with this uh, one client where everything we looked at and 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 tried to improve um was really not hitting the mark for their customers you know we weren't we weren't really turning it for them and um so they've had that experience of learning and they've also got the the, the benefits for it as well so it's it's Again, I, I, not that this is on my list. Or actually, maybe it is. Uh, I think, I know it is actually. Um, the next one is... Uh, so that flows really nicely. Um, uh, what is the next one? Yeah, it is. It's, just, um, it's about everything must lead to a transaction or a lead. Um, 
you know, and th th that's the other problem that I, I, I generally see with people that start off in optimization. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is I'm just talking really from my own personal experience, right? But um, because this is what I did. And every time they talk to either a client or their manager, if there's an internal team, you know, that they, they lean straight back on Revan leads. And they're talking about, if we do optimization, I'm going to double your revenue. I'm going to double your lead, your lead count. And optimization is so much more. And no doubt, look, it will increase, if done correctly, it will increase revenues and leads, no doubt. Um, but that's only a very small part, an important part, admittedly, but it's only a small part of optimization, you know. Um, can, uh, can you give us an example of something that was not an end conversion but uh, delivered a lot of value? Yeah. So that little chestnut called bounce is one one thing to look at, right? So we a lot of times people don't think about bounce. It's just, you know, it's, a, it's like a bit of a disease we've just got to deal with. But, um, you know, when you're looking at bounce and you're spending, you know, considerable amounts of money on, say, paid search coming to your site, and if you're paying, say, let's say $10 a click to get people to your site and you've got now a 50% bounce rate, that effectively means that you're spending $20 to get someone to be engaged on your on your web, not 10, it's 20. Yeah, and if you start reducing that bounce rate, obviously you're gonna reduce the cost it's actually costing you to get people to engage on your site. So that's really important. Um, bounce has other other impacts as well. Like if you know people are bouncing from the site, and we know that Google has, has released um, information on, you know, the landing page experience, how that's going to now impact your search or your organic rankings. So if we can re help reduce that bounce rate, it has all these benefits from you know increasing your search rankings to 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 um, giving you a better return on your PPC. In addition, as well, you know, when we're when you're running PPC, you've got what's called your your ad score, your your quality score. Uh, what what affects that? Are a number of things. One of which is your landing page experience. Um, and if your landing page experience is too low, it means that your quality score is going to be low, which means that Google's going to charge you a premium for your cost per click. Okay, just for um, some of the people in the audience who are not familiar with these terms, um... I beg your pardon, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, just the. Could you explain what you mean by quality score and landing page um, experience? Um, just for the people in the audience not familiar with those terms. Yeah, so so what that is is when Google's all about relevance, as we know, and uh, making money. So you've got to try and think. Yeah, so it's about like um, how can we help Google make more money? You know, that's 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 their thing. That's what you got to got to work with them. So when they, what Google wants is they want to have the most relevant ad uh, listed at the very top. So when people click on it, they get to a page which solves their problems, which is what the ad was promoting. And then people can go off and have a great experience. And that's the way, oh, not even going to pretend to think that that's the simplicity of Google, but that, that is one way to, to think about it. And you know, if you, you one of the things that they look at when they're looking at when you're setting up your paid search in Google, there and you set up your AdWord, your ads account, they then come back and they mark you. They give you a score. They they say what is your your quality score, and your quality score takes in a number of different factors. Um, so that could be your click through rate, um, it's obviously your um, your landing page experience, um, and I think there's a few other things in there as well. Sorry, I can't think of them off the top of my head, 
and they take all those into consideration to come back with your your um your ad your your, your quality score for your ads and um if you can get that um high which is to a to a 10 um, then obviously google are going to look at that and they're even going to give you a a more cost-effective cost per click because they know that if they they present your ad more than a competitor, you're going to get more clicks. And when people do click through, they're going to get a better experience. So they'll actually reduce the amount of money they're charging cost per click um, because you're giving their, their users such a great experience. Uh, but conversely as well, you know, if, you, if you're giving people a bad experience, they're going to charge you through the roof. And, uh, you know, I've definitely seen that as well. I've, I've had, um, we had uh, an agency jump in and do our AdWords um, back in the day. And we ended up looking at one of our quality scores and our quality score was zero. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, it was just horrendous. Um and uh, that 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 affected us, and we ended up paying around the thirty-eight dollars a click uh, as a result to it. Um, so obviously, we've got in, and we fixed it all up, and we're back down now to sub ten. But it's uh, it's a really uh, influential factor in your PPC cost. Okay. Wow. Well, that um, this definitely speaks to your previous point about just um, having time on the tools and just uh, experience uh, doing this, and that's how you get better at it. Oh yeah, I mean, like we've looked over the last six years, we've we've booked in seven and a half thousand hours of paid customer research, and you know, you, you just that that's what the, you know. It takes time to 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 gain this knowledge, to to make the mistakes, learn from them, improving and, and get better. And you know, that that again, just going back to that first point, you know, being enjoy being a beginner. Everyone might look at all these really sophisticated things that people are doing, and they're talking at a certain levels. Um, but you kind of need to go through the pain to get there. You can't just go from zero to a hundred uh, and have all that knowledge with you. you. It does take time to to accumulate it. Yeah, that reminds me of a saying that says that uh, you can actually starve to death reading a cookbook. Um, you have to actually, no matter how many books you read, actually doing it and hands-on experience speaks the loudest. That's a cool saying. I like it. I, I might, I'll quote you on that one next time I use it because that's awesome. Yeah, so that's something that I think about a lot. And um, I'm someone who does their best to try and read as much as you can, or as much as I can, sorry. Um, but nothing trumps hands-on practical experience doing working on your craft, uh, which just actually brings us to um, your last recommendation uh, for the for for beginners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it was really tough for me to actually come to five. Like, I honestly could have gone to ten, fifteen easily, um, just sort of ranking up all the problems I've ever made in the in the past. But the ninety nine problems. Oh, mate, I got ninety. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got. I always got ninety nine problems. Jeez, um, life just gets more interesting as you go on. Um, but the 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 fifth one was is overlooking the importance of statistical significance. And I think why this is a bit um, rampant, especially when people start, is that it is a bit of a difficult thing to get your head around to begin with. So what people do and what I did um, is I just ignored it. Okay, so when you're saying ignore it, are you saying that you're doing tests um, and declaring it a winner at, say, 70% or um, what level of confidence are you looking for percentage-wise to promote a test? Uh, yeah, look, it... it 
it's a little bit quite well now is different to previous right so <laughs> where i am now is very different to where i was as a beginner um but it's important in, in my view about statistical significance it's important based on the client and the opportunity and the risk at hand so if we're talking about something in the cart highly impacting which will highly impact revenue um any requested change to be developed inside that part of the website is hot it's very expensive and very um could be problematic so yeah you want to make sure you there's no level of error there you want to make sure that you're you know 99 confident you're making the right decision and only one percent chance you could be wrong but you know if you're looking at a a uh you know, a page layout and you're, you're working through it and you find that you're getting to like 85, 90% significance on it and it's stable. So it hasn't really dropped down or uh, it hasn't really moved much. Um, then you might go, look, you know, the, the experience works well. It's not a, it's not a hard impact. It's not, it's not a costly impact. I'm comfortable with that 10% risk because where it is in the user journey, I don't think it's going to be, if it is not as great as we thought it is, yes, it's not going to be great. We can turn it back and it's not going to be too hard to do so. So I think it is a bit of a, well, I, 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 I believe it. It's, it's a case by case basis little bit on the client as in what's their risk appetite it's a little bit about you know where it is in within the the customer journey and it's a little bit about you know what's the the cost and revenue opportunity the cost to implement the revenue opportunity um you've got to take it so yeah that does actually speak to the um i guess you could say the beginner's mindset of someone that kind of wants to book wins really quickly and they see a test that you know it's it's a 83 percent level of confidence um but it's really is best to just let statistical significance run its course and let it let it do let it do its thing because um when you do do that it's um it's definitely very impactful so yeah and and the i'll I'll share with you what the reason i brought this up was i had a quite a substantial client the biggest brand i'd ever worked with at that stage when i first started and um i was working with their sponsor and we we ran this test and i was like wow we are we're killing it this test is doing so great i was so excited i I rang the client i'm like wow look we just got this awesome result for you and she was like that is amazing that's so good we built up, I built up a little bit of a report on it, flicked it over, and she said that was great. I didn't know that she was then going to take that report and present it in front of the executives of this brand um, to show about how great the, the program was going. And um, so they did. That created a lot of excitement in the exec team. They then started spinning up a whole bunch of stuff to then go and support this finding we had from the test. The next week when I looked at the test, it was actually negative. And um, that was a bad moment. So it was like I had to call the client and say, look, you know how I said it was up? It was actually down. So the, the point of the challenge I had there was because I didn't focus on statistical significance and I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really get it um, at that point. Um, I didn't understand the influence, the, the impact on it. And I got too excited and shared the results too early. Um, so I, I think one of the things, lo- looking back at it now, and the advice I can give to people is to look at going, 
statistical significance is difficult. Understanding data is hard, but it is definitely worthwhile looking at it. And um, one of the things, it's, I didn't want to get too tactical on this call, but one thing to look at is when you are looking at your conversion rate, you need to understand what is a standard deviation above and below that conversion rate that's important to note. And the, understanding that uh, will give you so much more um, appreciation to the data you're seeing and also will give you the, um, the right information of when you need to act and when you shouldn't act as well. Yeah, so I guess the exciting thing for people just starting out is that um, they don't actually have to do these mathematical formulas themselves. The the split testing tools that we use by default do all of this mathematical heavy lifting for us, which just leaves us to focus on, you know, creating tests that we, you know, ha think they're going to increase the conversion rates. Um, but I've definitely been in a situation similar to you where, you know, I've had seen a test do really well in the first three or four days, but then sort of flatten out uh, by the time the week's over. So I, uh, I definitely, um, I feel your pain on that one for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah, look, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, when you look at all these um, things I've mentioned here about, you know, what do we see um, beginners' mistakes, beginners make? And they're all just come from all the errors that I've made. Um, so I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that I made those issues and errors. And, you know, you only need to make them once to realize not to, to make them again. And um, a little bit of an interesting one where I mentioned before about, you know, non-experience with the tool. I remember building a, um, an experiment for a client around um, some messaging, which was beside their actual um, price. And I didn't know when I, when I did it that actually the um, changing anything within that div, which is a container that held the, the content on, in, in the code, actually locked it across all pages. So what it meant was the, the product that I was coding on, I think was like $32 or something. Um, but then when I pushed the site, the, the experiment live, all prices on the website went to $32. Oh my God, you, yeah. must, be, you must have been freaking yeah. out. And look, like that, that it, it happened for 15 minutes and I remember it so, so clearly. Uh, um, it, it, Some customers must have got an amazing deal during that window of that. Um, well, it was, I mean, very, it was very, very, um, just so fortunate that even early in my um, career, I had a level of launch to the test. So, you know, normally when you launch a test, people go 50-50. Um, I've never done that. I've always done a small test uh, traffic, and then I've ramped up from there. Um, so when I looked at it, actually there were been there were no transactions that went through, and and even if they did, it wouldn't have affected the um, the amount of money that would have been charged at the end of the day. But um, you know, the, the, I remember it happening, and then obviously I, I've just come out of my office thinking, oh no, I'm I'm going to get sued by the client because if if you know if it was it was a very high trafficking site, um, and I'm going to lose everything. Um, but uh, yeah, luckily, you know, there was no no harm, no foul, nothing nothing ominous happened as a result. But that was enough of a learning to go, you know, we're we're in here coding through these platforms onto client sites. You know, there needs to be a real rigorous process around getting 
um, you know, test live, uh, the, the skill sets required to be in the, um, the tool as well. Um, so that, that, that really, again, started even shaping, shaping the business. So then we, we built a, a UAT process, which is uh, once you've built the test, we have a, uh, now a 250-point check we go through uh, to make sure there's no errors with the test before we even push it to that small sample traffic just to be a thousand percent sure and we are very um uh what's the word? Uh, strict on the types of uh developers that we we use we put them through very hardcore training um to make sure that they're up to speed before they start touching the tool because even though yes it's, it's front-end javascript for a lot of the client side work um, there are nuances with all the testing platforms that need to be considered otherwise you can yeah get yourself into trouble really quickly I'd imagine with the size of the clients that you're working with, or these big companies, um, they would have their own development team um, that want to sort of make the final changes to the live production side. Is that right? Yeah. So we'll do all the development within the, the testing platform. But then once the, the tests have, have concluded and the recommendation to implement is, is ready to go, um, that would then get sent, sent over to their internal development team. And the great thing about testing is the, the test itself creates the best brief for the developers of what to build because they've got all the, the, the physical assets that we've, we've developed. Um, they can run reports across it to see all the paddings around all the different elements and uh, they can see a visual of, of the way it looks and the way it operates. So what we do is we, at the end of the test, we, we build what's called a uh, developer notes. It's a pack that we send over to their dev team the great thing for that is the devs then are able to very easily identify how long it's going to take, schedule it into the sprint, and then get that pushed out um, into production um, once it's ready. I guess um, having that separation um, from your team makes the handoff to their um, web developer team really easy because you're just sort of passing them recommendations and really detailed notes on how to move forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, we, we've got different ways of... Um, getting to that point but that's you know everyone has their own unique way of um concluding a, a, a or concluding and reporting and and sending that over to, to clients so that that's a yeah you know there's so many big learnings realistically on you know from a beginner getting into cro um and it's one of the ones that you you know a lot of people say you don't know what you don't know but um i, I you know i've probably made I've made hundreds of errors in building in building what we do, um, but but again, that's why we are where we are right now. Is that we've unfortunately we've made all those errors and we made them really quickly, made them really early in the piece, and and, and from here on in, it, it's a uh, it's, it's a little bit easier um, because we've had those those really hard lessons at the beginning. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing those five recommendations with us and the audience. Um, I think they've been really valuable, um, and I've had a, you know it's been a, it's been great getting your insights on this stuff. Um, a little bit of change of pace now. Um, before we end the conversation today, I wanted to give you a few rapid fire questions, and uh, I'm no I know that you're a, a big reader and someone that definitely invests in continuous learning. So I was wondering if you could share some books that you would recommend to the audience on uh, that sort of made a big impact on your life and also helped you become better at uh, at CRO. Yeah, a great question, and, and thank you for for asking because I love sharing the books which have really shaped uh, me personally, but also given 
great assistance to the business. And the first book I'm going to share with you is a little bit left wing, um, but it's so powerful. Um, it's it's actually called you know how, how to win friends and influence people, and you you may have you may have read that book you you may not have but uh, and it's it's an old book that's been repurposed many many oh, like a number of different revisions. Um, I I feel like that the the title of it how to win friends and influence people is probably not the best title in my mind. I, I think it should be about you know how to treat people with respect and, and you know and and you know really listen and help so that that was a book that was yeah highly influential and um even to today i i put it on a uh if you can go to youtube and get a uh, a free audio version of it and um it's the mo- the most helpful thing that i do in a morning is when i'm on my morning walks I actually listen to that podcast time and time again uh, the, the book sorry time and time again uh, because it just continues to remind you about what are the main drivers of the people you interact with? And then I, I lift and shift and I bring that into what we do in optimization. So I, I look at the the client's brand and how they're trying to win friends and influence people. How's that brand trying to win win their customers and influence their customers? You know, So you can take that learning from that book and you can apply it to how you apply it to the lenses of how you would look to a brand to interact with their their particular customers. I uh, I also love that book. Um, that's I, I actually sort of find that a lot of people recommend that book. A lot of people speak of that book very highly, and it's a book that's definitely cherished by many. I mean, I, my copy is all dog-eared because uh, I've read it multiple times. I also have um, the audio version as well, which I think is excellent. Um, just Just interesting to know, is there any... I guess marketing books or design books that have helped you increase your skills in CRO. Yeah, look, it wasn't it wasn't a book per se um, because obviously when I was you know out kicking off and and now it's like it's, I've got my areas where I grab my intel from, but um, there there's two very influential people that. Um, uh, I, I follow um, for, for, for great reasons. One is Dave Chaffney um, from a company called Smart Insights. And Smart Insights, if you don't know, is a website which is basically a repository and it's a library of all great marketing material and, uh, and guides and information. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit a little bit expensive on the, on the subscription side from a cost perspective but the value makes it so cheap in the sense where you're able to get real actionable guides written by experts on everything digital and it's laid out so well so when anyone starts in the business uh, in, in our agency um, I've got five of the, the guides um, or five of the um, uh, instructional reports we got from Smart Insights that I get them to go through and um, and read and, and, and ingest because it's just such a great um, basis to everything they do. So I, I really, if if I could have on a, I'm not sure I'm allowed to plug, but uh, if you check out Smart Insights, um, you're looking at the uh, SOSTAC methodology, which is a methodology around um, setting um, strategy, digital strategy. Um, you know, they've got a lot of guides like, you know, seven best um, ways to improve your optimization. Uh, but I, I would really recommend go there and see what, what's um, helpful for you and um, 
uh, have a look at it. The the other one is uh, Flint McLaughlin from the McLabs Institute out of uh, the US. Uh, Flint's a bit of a definitely a guru in in this space, but he um, yeah I absorb as much of the information I can potentially get from these guys and just learn from them as, as best I can. So they they would be the 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 top two, and obviously that that book would be the main one for me. Yeah, I'm also someone that loves uh, both recommending books and being recommended books to myself as well. So, mm, awesome. yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, following on for the next question now, um, can you give the audience a little bit uh, of an insight into what your, I guess, your CRO toolbox looks like? So what are your tools and software that you use uh, to conduct your optimization uh, programs with your clients? Yeah, cool. Um, so the first thing... Um, Obviously, Google Analytics uh, uh, is, is, is my preference in, in, in analytics um, just because I guess that was the first thing that I was trained on. Um, I, I really in, enjoy the way it works and how it operates, and I understand it very well. Um, so GA is a, is a really big, big part to me. Um, the other one, believe it or not, is actually console in your browser is a, is a really underutilized uh, tool. So there's a lot of things you can gain from console, uh, especially around when you're looking at technical things on, on speed optimization and and understanding if there's you know potential errors or issues with your site. So um, we all have it. It's all part of Google Chrome. You just need to right click and inspect. But um, it's it's there. Uh, that's definitely a big fave of mine. The when we're looking at um, like doing the analysis on the data, I don't have any proprietary BI tools, everything that we'd have is really built in through our own um, uh, sort of systems on how to pull data and sort of map it and, and look at it in different different ways. Uh, surveying, uh, SurveyMonkey is fantastic. Uh, it's just so easy to use. Um, I, I know there's other ones out there which could be a little bit slicker like Typeform, but um, for what we need, um, SurveyMonkey is definitely my, definitely my fave. Um, Usability studies, we, we do have a number of tech, and unfortunately, I just don't have the name of it here, but if anyone's interested, I can share it with you. But uh, um, my, my research team use these really cool pieces of tech that when you run somebody through a usability study, it's obviously, you know, recording their screen, their, their clicks, their mouse movements, and then obviously pops out a report at the end, uh, which is really cool. Uh, user videos and heat maps, I think everyone uh, has ever would have used Hotjar, but my... But my new fave is actually uh, Full Story. Full Story, yeah. why is that? Full Story is wicked. It it basically see, see you know when you're watching uh, watching uh, I was gonna say YouTube, <laughs> um, Hot Jar. It's it's sometimes you you'll you'll have to watch a hundred videos to find one that's of value. What Full Story does is it basically indexes the video, so you could go you you could be looking for someone who's got a particular uh, does a particular issue or an error or a movement, um, and what Full Story do? It will bring those videos of of people who actually had that problem or had that issue. Um, so that saves just a bucket load of time. Um, the next thing that uh, Full Story does really well is that um, it reports on error clicks. So if, if an error happens, sorry, not error clicks, an error. So if an error happens, um, it would let you know how an error has happened. It would show you the video of when the error happened, and it would also pull the code out of the DOM 
and pass that through as well. So wow, that's really powerful. Oh yeah, I mean, um, developers go nuts when they see it because you know if they've ever had to try and replicate an error or an issue, um, that could that takes probably eighty to ninety percent of the time to resolve it. So straight away there uh, and they've just got a lot of other cool stuff in that tech um, so check it out full story um, let them know that uh, Maddie from Conversion King sent you uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get that referral link ready for you yeah mate. yeah oh, it's not about the money it's just that uh, they're, they're a great they're a great company I just want to be shown to be supporting them here in Australia yeah so uh, Hotjar is definitely top of mind when it comes to heat maps but if you're recommending uh, that I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, I mean, I actually flew out to Atlanta when they launched it and um, I launched their partner program because I was invited over there to have a look at it. And um, I'm always, you know, skeptical on, on, on tech because, you know, we have so much tech and there's, you know, you can spend a small fortune on it. Um, and I, I'm always about, look, it needs to give value um, and it do, can't just be shiny. It's got to be helpful, useful. Um, but yeah, full story definitely is, is great. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we fall into the big question around what testing platform um, uh, are our faves. And look, there's, when I started, um, it was Google Experiments. It was um, Optimizely. It just came out. That was an Optimizely had a free plan, uh, which is clearly long gone now. Um, and then you had VWO bubbling away in the background. Um, but, you know, there's some really solid um optimization techs out there um, it, and it's really just a matter of finding which one's right for you which one's right for your business because you know they, they're all great uh, for all their right you know for, for the right clients um, which is which is fundamentally it. Uh, interested to get your feedback on this when people ask me that question um, what I often tell people is to start uh, with Google optimize mm-hmm. um, not because it's free but because of the, it has really tight integrations with uh, Google Analytics. Yeah, look, I think you know, and I I, I echo what you say there around um, Google Optimize. Uh, though for for some clients, it it actually doesn't make sense, and um, the the, re- the reason being is that well, what I found uh, deving in Google Optimize, either the community or the 360 version, it probably adds around about 30% of engineering time to develop within those platforms um, than using a other proprietary piece of tech. So if you're looking at it and going, look, you know, we've got about, you know, 40 hours of, of dev work to be done this month. Um, what that would look like is, um, I'm, actually, I'm not really good at math. I should have chosen a better number than 40 but anyway it's, it's a considerable amount more time uh, that you'd have to spend deving because you're on those platforms and and there you've got other options that aren't that much that aren't that expensive that would definitely help save um, the engineering time as well the other part is um, the, the reporting deck out of uh, optimize um, and google 360 can also take a long time. And you're like, oh, it's just out of Google Analytics. But um, if you've ever worked on uh, large-scale clients that even just to, you've basically to do it, you've got to build segments and there's, there's, a, there's a process around extracting the data. And um, just to get the segment to fire and, and be set up correctly, I mean, that could be 10, 15 minutes. And most of that's just waiting for Google um, Analytics to load. So it's... Um, yeah, so there's different pros and cons to that. You've got other ones such as, um, and we're only 
if we're thinking about, you know, just straight A-B testing, then you've got personalization on top of that. And then you've got AI-driven personalization. So it's it, it's it's a really... We're getting fancy now. This is the fancy part of the talk. Yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry. But yeah, look, uh, yeah, Google Optimize is a great, way to, great, great place to start if you're just kicking off. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend you look at, say, VWO, which is another great, um, great provider. Uh, so I guess uh, what you're hinting at is that you are basically using all of the tools um, and just working out which one uh, fits best with the client's needs. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly right. And it's, it's also about the way the client would like to use it. So some tools like Google Optimize, fantastic if it's just been run through an agency because it's a really difficult piece of tech to, to get in and play with and use. Um, but if you, you, you're on... You know, you want to use it with, with part of your marketing stack. You know, maybe an AB Tasty is a is a great option as well. I mean, there is a great little, um, I think a little. It's a great tool that's just got a lot of features in it as well. Um, if you're wanting to go what's called server side, which means you're not client side, you know, site spec to absolutely crush it. Um, and then if you want to do full, full personalization based on an AI engine, you know, dynamic yields, head and shoulders above everything else. So it's um, it's all a little bit about, you know, what's, what's relevant for the client and, um, you know, how they're going to use it. Okay, cool. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you was, what was an uh, unexpected losing test that you conducted recently and uh, what did you learn from that experience? Hmm. I'm just trying to think of an unexpected losing test. Well, I, I can share with you a... Yeah, I, Removing the client's name, obviously. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah, I've got a few in here. Uh, I'm just trying to think what's going to be the most relevant one that I could say without not um, showing the, the, client, That's the okay. client's name. Um, so I'll, I'll start with... Okay, I'll, I'll start with one that actually happened early in my career as well. I was okay. um, optimizing a particular page that was collecting bookings um, from from users, and uh, what what their strategy was was that they would go straight from paid search to this landing page or this page on their website to to get people to sign up and, and take this booking for what they needed. And um, what we realized was that this is a very big, well-known brand, but um, their web uh, you know, the the web offering wasn't that well known. And the the hypothesis was that we feel that people are, are bouncing or, or leaving this page um, because when they land from search to the actual page, there's no um, branding, there's no value proposition of what who the business is. Um, so people are really not, Yes, the service is there, the brand's there, but we don't actually know the value of the online experience. So the, the test we designed was around, let's let's remove a lot of the actual um, copy that didn't look very aesthetic and we didn't fit, think that the, the customers were, were actually needing that information. Um, and we replaced it with a very uh, emotive imagery um, that I thought was very creative. We all thought it was amazing. Um, myself, the client involved, we all thought this is going to blow it out of the water. And it dropped um, their conversions by close to 30%, which, which is, again, is, is actually great because 
when the design was sent across, the client wanted to implement it straight away. And it was like, no, 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 let's just test first to make sure we're all good here. Um, and and lucky we did, you know, so we were able to find that um, that insight. So it's just, and I guess that's the difference now between being uh, a beginner and having the experience I've got is it's humbled me so much that even when we I come up with a test or an insight that I think is 100% solid, um, I need to reserve my personal opinion and my personal biasness because, you know, I'm going to be just as wrong as the next person. And um, it, it's a matter of, you know, continually going through the process and testing it, validating it and, and making sure. Cool. These are, these are amazing answers, by the way, and I'm really having fun um, on this call. Uh, one question that we touched on before the podcast was, uh, what are some things that you do differently to other people in the CRO uh, industry? Uh, are you talking about in the beginning or are you talking about now? Yeah, so the stuff that you're you're doing differently now. I know uh, I know prior to this call, uh, you were discussing that you know you've got a large team and you're very much about you know systemizing this and making this a, a predictable process. Um, so it'd be great if you could share some of the things that you do differently mm-hmm. uh, than other people in the CRO uh, industry. Yeah, look, there's you know we we I think we do most things differently, but the the big one that stands out to me is the more the controversial one which is around you know how we how we set a conversion strategy how we uh, and also how we prioritize what tests to do because there's a there's a common and a popular notion to when you're doing testing you know start with high impact low effort tests and everyone advocates it and advocates it to the clients. And I used to do that as well. They used to be what I did. Um, but then I had one of those aha moments and I'm sitting there going, this is crazy. And it, 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 it's crazy for a number of reasons. One, it instantly devalues conversion optimization because it says that I'm going to give you a lot of value at the beginning and the longer you work with me, the less value I'm going to deliver to you, which is polar opposite right because optimization is about learning the more you learn the better you get the better you get the you know the the you know more relevant you can be for your customers so that so a a, that's incorrect well i feel that's incorrect um the second thing is uh it encourages people to 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 chase the next shiny thing so they're like oh look there's a problem over here um on the home page and there's a problem over here in the category page and the problem over here in the cart and they just jump from one test to the next to the next and these are really short-sighted tests so it's like oh we ran this test on the home page uh it worked it didn't work great okay next what else do you got and you 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 lose the whole uh again the the value of optimization where it's about what are the issues Issues have multiple problems, like we're complex people, you know, websites are complex, you know, everything's complex. Um, So one issue may have three or four problems associated to it. And what we do is we systematically go through and solve each one of those problems to then solve the issue. Um, So, so yeah, so, so just jumping and chasing the next shiny thing can obviously, um, you know, not give you the the learnings that you need and also the the impact and then the outcome to this methodology of like if you're going for the highest impact lowest effort is and again i've had it myself is you know you end up at the end of the engagement you've done a lot of tough stuff a lot of testing but you haven't moved the dial and the reason you haven't moved the dial is because you haven't really focused on any 
any one thing. It's it's like if you're trying to, you know, trying to learn something and then you're just looking at this little article, that little article, that little article, but you're never reading anything, um, you're not going to get the value. So um, that would have to be the big, the biggest thing I, I would urge people to to think about because um, we're all um, we're all very opinionated on what we do and how we do it. Uh, but I'd urge you to think that is you know highest impact, lowest effort the most helpful way to look at um, conversion strategy? I don't believe so, but um, I don't, you know I think we all need to come to that own conclusion ourselves. Yeah, so there definitely is uh, kind of an incentive for, I guess, people to wow the clients in the first month or so of the uh, the engagement. Um, but uh, yeah, look, this call's been amazing. Um, thank you so much. I won't take much more of your time. I only have one last question, actually. And uh, this question is, uh, you know, directed at uh, business owners and website owners that maybe are not ready right now for a, uh, a CRO program, um, but they're sort of gearing up for one in the future, uh, maybe because they don't have enough traffic or they don't have enough transactions. What would your advice to be uh, for those smaller mm. websites? Well, look, you know, there's, there's an... Okay, so, so there's a few things in that question. If, if we talk about people not being ready um, is one thing, but they're not being ready because they don't have enough traffic is, is also another thing. But if we, if we, we think about the latter, about you know, they're, they're not ready because they don't have enough traffic yet um, to really run tests to get that, that statistical significance. Um, one of the things I, I would recommend there is going back and understanding why your current clients are not converting um, is the first question you want to ask yourself. So whether or not you've got, you know, a thousand people to your website or, you know, a hundred thousand people, conducting a level of helpful, actionable research would be the best place to start. Um, Because what that'll do, that will make sure you focus on the right areas. And if you've got low traffic and you find yourself going, oh, I just don't know how to how to solve this issue like I, I just don't know how to start and you find your problem just say you've got a uh, just say you're a travel company um although there wouldn't be too many listening today about that but uh, just say you're a travel company you've got a problem in your uh, your booking funnel but you don't have enough traffic going through it what do you do i would then literally go and ask the customers or people in that market what do they think? So whether or not that's going to the airport, sitting in the food court, people who've got nothing to do while they wait for the flight to give you feedback on your on your your funnel, your flow, that's going to really help you. So I, I think that for people to get there, a lot of the tactics that you do at the high level, like the, the big level, um, can be uh, executed. They just need a different way of doing it. So um, your research is different. So you're not going to run a survey out to, you know, 10,000 people because you don't have them in the database, but you can go and talk to to actual people that are coming out in, in, into stores. Um, you might not be able to run a, uh, you know, an, an AAB test because you don't have the... Um, the opportunity to it, uh, to the traffic for it, but you can most definitely um, create a different experience, and you can run that through a, a user group or uh, people to ask you to give your feedback, or um, you you can just sometimes just 
uh, it's, it's a bit hard to explain on the call because it's a bit of data work to do it, but you could baseline your previous 12-month performance to get a statistical conversion rate of which you then change your current experience and then compare that to the statistical one going back. So you're not doing an A-B test, you're doing a complete change and then comparing the performance of that change to your 12 months result previously. It's a lot easier to understand if you see my hands flying around the place, but um, that's another way to do it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting uh, for uh, website owners and business owners who are thinking about the right time uh, to conduct their first testing program. They were really good insights. I really appreciate that. Hey, thank you so much for today. This call has been amazing. Um, I've had so much fun today. Uh, I guess the one last thing I'll ask is how can people contact you and, uh, and stay up to date with what you and uh, your team are doing? Yeah, look, I um, the, the best way to get, get in contact with me is actually just to add me on LinkedIn, um, Matthew Pesamenti. Uh, a lot of my um, uh, lot, a lot of what I'm doing is just getting pushed out through that. It's a great area of community to to be involved with, and there's a lot of other lovely people to chat to on that. So yeah, um, yeah, add me on LinkedIn, Matthew Pesamenti, um, or alternatively, um, our agency uh, ConversionKings.com.au. If, if you jump on there, you want any other, um, want to have a chat or need any assistance, you know, jump in there, throw us a little uh, inquiry. I'd be more than happy to um, to answer anything. My, um, I, I get I get my energy by helping and uh, by sharing. So um, you're actually giving me a gift by allowing me to to give to you guys. Um, so. So yeah, so cool. Josh, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to, to share this. And like I said, if anyone, um, you know, would like any other support or advice, you know, pl please hit, um, hit me up because I'm more than happy to, to help and share with, share with everyone what I know. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us on the show today. Um, for more information about what we talked about today, uh, please check out the show notes for this, for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye for now.